It's April 11th, 1999. Navy Commander Ted Carter leads a 30-plane bombing mission to take out a bridge near Kosovo. The bridge was being used to conduct genocide operations. And although I had a legal order to drop weapons on a bridge in a small town just uh, southeast of Kosovo to prevent uh, tanks from going in and doing this ethnic cleansing uh, problem that was the conflict in 1999. There were civilians on that bridge, and we realized it at the split second before releasing the bombs, and didn't. Military officials reviewed the operation and agreed with Carter's decision, a case that's been featured in military ethics journals. That decision and Carter's military background helped define his leadership style and career. All of us will be faced with a, a moment in our life where we're going to have to make a decision. It may not involve life or death, uh, as, as it did in this case, uh, but at the end of the day, all of us are making decisions about what's the right thing to do. Uh, and there's been a lot of studies done on that exact mission about whether those bombs should have come off the airplane or not. I sleep very well every night thinking about that, even still today, uh, about why that was the right thing to do. In this episode of Leading Nebraska, University of Nebraska President Ted Carter talks about what prepared him to lead the university through tough times, and why he believes the university will come out stronger on the other side. In Ted Carter's Lincoln, Nebraska office, mementos are on display from a long career that took Carter and his wife Linda all over the world. I, the day uh, that I took command of uh, the USS Carl Vinson aircraft carrier, that was that. There are pictures, awards, and medals. And then this one right here is the USS Midway Patriot Medal, awarded for the 50th year of Top Gun. So I was very honored to get that. Carter graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy, where he would later return as superintendent. But before that, Carter logged more than 6,000 hours in the backseat of fighter jets, holds the record for aircraft carrier landings, commanded 20 ships and two nuclear-powered aircraft carriers, and recently retired from the U.S. Navy as a vice admiral. But Carter also seems like a regular guy, the kind who was thrilled to be chosen to throw out the first pitch at Fenway Park on Armed Forces Day. Which was one of the coolest events ever. That is so cool. How did it go? It went really well. I threw, I threw it from the rubber. He's the kind of guy who displays pictures of his family. With all four of us up in uh, uh, Whistler in Canada doing some whitewater rafting. The kind of guy whose personality was shaped growing up in a small Rhode Island town not that different from where he is now. Well, if you could just connect two dots from where I grew up as a you know, youth up until I left my, my home state at 17 to go to the Naval Academy, I would say if you just can take that and fast forward that, you know, some 45 years, it's part of what brought me here. That rural lifestyle, uh, how I grew up, very simple lifestyle. I lived on a lake. I skated, you know, on that lake as it froze all the time. And uh, I went to a one high school town where my mother taught English, and she was my English teacher for three out of my four years in high school. I mean, that's how small our town was. Our entire high school graduating class for, for an entire town, about the size of Kearney, by the way, uh, was about 200. Um, so I see a lot of my hometown, even though it's in, you know, the, the woods of Rhode Island right here in Nebraska. Thank you.
Carter visited Nebraska during the interview process, he had a chance to talk to students on the Lincoln campus, including a reporter for the student newspaper. Zach Wendling with the Daily Nebraska. Ted Carter. My wife Linda Carter. Carter told the reporter he became interested in leadership during his military deployments, where he observed good decisions and bad. We also seeing, uh, you know, events that uh, cost the, the loss of lives, and then uh, seeing what it took for somebody to lead in crisis. Uh, so those are some of my first experiences, um, and uh, those had impacts on me. Back then, in November 2019, no one could have imagined the looming crisis, a global pandemic and economic uncertainty. But when it hit soon after Carter officially took the reins of the University of Nebraska in January of 2020, he did what he always does. He consulted experts, listened to advice from campus leaders, and used his years of experience to make decisions that were not clouded by what Carter calls the fog of war. There are a lot of people that just don't know how to uh, react in that, especially those in leadership positions. Uh, my time in the military certainly gave me a focus for that. Uh, we operate in a, in a world of unknowns. And what I came to know is you're never going to have perfect information to make the big decisions. So the fog of war is that uh, imperfect information. If you're waiting for the final last bit of information to make a decision, it might be a little bit too late. Carter reevaluated his five-year plan for the University of Nebraska to ensure it still made sense in an environment shifted by the pandemic. After careful consideration, he determined the strategies outlined in the plan are even stronger against the current background of uncertainty. The highlights are really three simple concepts, affordability, accessibility, and growth. And when I say growth, I'm not just talking about growing the student body here at the university. I'm talking about growing uh, our university in terms of population, reputation, but ultimately growing the state of Nebraska. Because I honestly believe the state will grow as the university grows. Um, the, the front end of this is this very simple idea that if you want to go to college, whether you're a Nebraskan or from anywhere in our country, we have a place for you. The plan starts with the university's 51,000 students and putting them first. The Nebraska Promise Program shows commitment to accessibility by guaranteeing a tuition-free education for students with family incomes of $60,000 or less. A two-year across-the-board tuition freeze helps students plan for the future. And after going online in March, the University of Nebraska committed to reopening for in-person learning in the fall semester. Those efforts paid off with enrollment increases, especially among first-generation and minority students. So when you add all that up, affordability, accessibility, setting programs that are for the students, I think that really resonated, and, and we've seen that. And you're right. We had planned on an almost 50% reduction in our international students. We were only down 15%. We planned on about a 30% reduction in our out-of-state students. We actually were flat. And we plan on about a 5% reduction in state, and we went up 2%. Workforce development is another priority, one that Carter is working on with the governor and the legislature to help employers across the state and to keep Nebraska's best and brightest at home. Focusing on you know, our academic disciplines that we have, creating pathways to great internships, and then working with our industry partners as CEOs of our major corporations right here in the state, finding ways for them to offer jobs to our students before they graduate uh, so that it, it attract them to want to stay in their state. And now we're even looking at how do we attract out-of-state students to come here, live the good life, see what we have to offer, and using those same type of programs. 
Carter is proud of the university's talented faculty. Over the next five years, he wants to continue to expand research and development, addressing complex problems and improving quality of life in Nebraska and around the world. We are exceptional in a number of areas of research. Uh, you know, we mentioned the medical center uh, in their study of infectious disease, but uh, early childhood development, certainly national security, uh, cyber defense, agriculture in terms of innovation, technical agriculture, uh, water and food security with our uh, Doherty Water for Food Institute. I mean, these are things that we are world class at here as well as our ability to produce patents. We're one of the top patent-producing universities in the country. And Carter wants to see continued progress in the area of inclusion and diversity. His own experience demonstrates that diversity breeds success. For some people, they must say, well, why does this matter? And I would just tell you, and again, this is my experience, when you are with a more diverse uh, workforce, and you work together and there's a harmony that exists within that workforce, everybody does better. Your performances turn out to be better. You have more success. There is a great reason for us to want to embrace diversity. And then I've got some great uh, university gear here between the Husker. Back in his office, Carter points out a shelf of sports memorabilia. Um, Loper helmet and the Husker helmet. So, and of course, Omaha Mavericks hockey team. Carter lettered in hockey at the Naval Academy and is a big sports fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan of athletics. I think it's part of uh, what drives our spirit. Uh, I think it's part of what defines our values uh, as Americans. Uh, I also think it set the conditions for me to be successful in combat. And we can equate combat to other normal walks of life where we've got to be problem solvers. Uh, and it also gives you this idea of uh, operating in a team. In other words, the team's better than the sum of each part. Carter started running at age 50 and has completed eight marathons. Discipline, flexibility, and a willingness to keep moving have served him well over the years, even when things didn't go as planned. It's kind of been the standard for my entire life. Every time you think you're gonna walk through the door that you have selected, you find that door is either locked or you can't open it, and now you have to look for something else, whether it be a window or another door, uh, and that was the case there. I went to Pensacola, Florida as a Navy pilot, failed my first eye test, and I was told, well, you can't be a Navy pilot. I said, well, uh, I can be a Naval flight officer, meaning I can be a mission commander, I can still fly, I just won't be in the front seat or the left seat, and I made a whole career out of that. Carter's official installation ceremony, delayed from April to August, was live-streamed and included virtual greetings from students, faculty, staff, and alumni. It's an incredible privilege and pleasure to install you right now as the eighth president of the University of Nebraska. His adult children were able to come to Nebraska for the occasion, and Linda Carter was by his side, as she has been in about 20 previous moves. Linda has no doubt that this move, like others before it, will be a success. He's always going to do well. We've got a good team. <laughs> yeah, it's really how we're going to do as a team. It isn't just yeah. me, it's, it's both of us. And uh, right. we're, we're excited about the, uh, the future. It's, uh, it's bright as ever. 11 months into his new role, Ted Carter can't imagine himself anywhere other than Nebraska and hopes others will come along. So I'm a big fan of uh, John Paul Jones, arguably the father of our Navy, 
And uh, my favorite quote from him is a really simple one. It says, come sail with me. And it's this idea that, uh, uh, to me, it's about being a player coach, which he kind of was. He was ferocious in battle. He helped establish our nation during the Revolutionary War. And it was a rallying cry to recruit people. And I feel like we're in a space like that right now here in Nebraska. You know, come to Nebraska, come learn with me. You've been listening to Leading Nebraska. To read the transcript for this podcast or to find more stories about how the University of Nebraska builds a stronger state, visit nebraska.edu slash nu for N-E.